and welcome to Talky Talk, the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent, and I'm here today with TJ. And David. Talky Talk. We're going to be talking about things we've been watching, and after that we're going to be talking about the news. Things the world has been watching. And (laughs) then we're going to be talking about future things the world will have been watching. But recommending movies that are coming out in the future. This is a Christian podcast. We don't get into sorcery like that. <laughs> yeah, actually, this is not a Christian podcast. Christian yeah, is not no, with no, us yeah. today. No Christian. The only Christian on a podcast isn't here. So, David, have you been watching anything? Um, mine will be short. I've watched very little. Uh, nothing in the span of movies, but I have. I did download... Uh, <laughs> this is like a pro- projective... Projective something watch. I finally. Uh, <laughs> I did procure a something watch. Like I feel like I got an excuse if I say something like that later. You don't drink. I'm <laughs> just um, tired. My next uh, AFI movie I'm going to watch is going to be finally after talking about it at a party. Schindler's List. Uh, so nice. I downloaded it on my some party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I downloaded it on my phone. Just going to be an interesting watch of it. I just haven't brought myself to watch more than 30 seconds of it yet. Let me know when you do. It's one of the next movies I think I'm going to make myself watch. And uh, It's a rewatch for you, though, right? No, I've never seen it. Oh, oh damn. I thought you'd seen it. Have you seen it, David? No. no I've never I don't seen think it Chris before. has. Right? But I did watch some uh, TV. Uh, some TV you guys are not going to be interested in. Cool. In memory of Christian. <laughs> uh, I, I finished BoJack Horseman. The season. Oh, nice. Yeah. What it, season is the new one? Five? Five. Oh, I don't know. I'm just... I wanted to say numbers. I know some numbers. I can help. I can help you narrow down the numbers. 30. Um, 65. As a spoiler alert, you guys aren't going to probably watch it anytime soon. It does end on a semi-hopeful note. Bojack goes to rehab, and there's like a little uh, scene about that. They play the... Uh, they always have interesting music cues in that show. They start playing a, a song. It's like, oh, I know that song. That's the War on Drugs. Ah, oh, he's in rehab. I get it. Andy's a horse. Yep, Andy's a horse. And really interesting for BoJack Horseman. Have you guys started to see the uh, previews, Comedy Central? They have syndication of a Netflix streaming show. I don't, I don't think that's happened before. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, maybe with cool. House of Cards. Did that? Uh, I don't think it ever aired on syndicate. Anything. Or maybe like they had plans for it. Yeah, then. not anymore. Right. <laughs> then the show exploded. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I've also I've been getting back into Steven Universe. It's a really cute show, especially if Harriet's watching too. It's really fun colors and there's fun songs in it, and it's pretty inoffensive. It's fun. Neither of you guys have seen that show though. What is it? It's this uh, boy Steven. He was born with a gem in his stomach that gives him powers. Uh-huh. And he's raised by three um, gem warriors from the galaxy that they're named after gems. There's Amethyst, Pearl, and Garnet. And it's just like uh, some slice of life stuff, some uh, stuff where they go on missions to crazy worlds. Neat. It's it's very uh, it's very beautiful animation style though. Fun, but very cartoony. It's a cartoon. And I just realized something else I watched um, this week. It was the season premiere of South Park. I don't know if you guys have seen it on Twitter or elsewhere. They have that hashtag cancel South Park from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> kind of leading up into this one because this one's called uh, Dead Kids, and it's about <laughs> school shootings. Oh God! Wow. Because I didn't watch it. You said it was not like a top twenty episode, but good. Yeah, it was, it was, I thought it was pretty, parts of it were pretty funny where I'm laughing out loud, and the other part is, they found a really smart way to do satire of school shootings, which is pretty, uh... It's tricky. Yeah. Pretty tricky. Um, the, they satirize it by, uh, everyone being numb to school shootings, except for Stan's mother, uh, Sharon Marsh. It's, they're just like going through and they have this thing where Cartman doesn't like Black Panther and he thinks Token is trying to, you know, sabotage his tests where he cheats on him. But all in the background there's like school shootings taking place. And there's hall monitors with like uh, assault rifles that just barge into classrooms and none of them like raise a eyebrow about it. It's like background noise kind of. Yeah. So. That's pretty clever. That is, yeah, that's pretty, uh. They're a clever Trenchant bunch. satire for that. 
I was talking with Cass about the evolution of South Park the other day and how, I mean, I'll, Trey and Matt couldn't have been that old when it first aired. I mean, were they younger than us when it first aired? Yeah, I think they're they're in their 20s. Yeah. It's just interesting, that show, how it, like, became not just satire, but, like, uh, I can't think of the word now, but, you know, making fun of social mm-hmm. relevancies. Where the first episode is, you know, Cartman gets an anal probe and it's about aliens. Right. And now it's, like, uh, you know political topic of the week that they kind of chew on. And they still got into that. Because, I mean, they aged 20 years. Yep. Um, it's, it's pretty good. I recommend it. If you're turned off by the uh, subject matter, they find it pretty, uh, like I said, pretty trenchant viewpoint for perspective for their satire. And uh, other than that, I haven't really watched too much else. I've watched garbage reality stuff that Chris watches, so I'll save that <laughs> for when uh, the, the Christian yeah, we do have the After our watch list, we'll have the return of Reality Roundup. Yep. That time of year. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much... I've just been watching TV shows. Cool. TJ, you want to go? Sure. I've watched uh, two movies, and I know Brent watched one of them as well. Uh, I had to rewatch them because I'd watched the Jack Ryan uh, Hulu series. Uh, went back and rewatched uh, Shadow Recruit with Chris Pine and Keira Knightley and Kevin Costner. Directed by Kenneth Branagh? He's right? also the main villain, I guess. He's a Russian guy? Yeah. Um, I'd totally forgotten that he was in that and that he directed that, though. That's good. I do think it's kind of the genesis for the story that was on the Hulu show, though. I just forgotten that he was a he was an economics major at the London School of Economics, and during nine eleven, and immediately joined up with the Marines, which explains some of his like fighting skills. Mm-hmm. But he's way more of an analyst in that movie than I think. Maybe than like some of all fears. He does how, a lot of analyst work. How many times does he say, but I'm an analyst? Is it like Dante levels and clerks? No, there's one. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Right. But I'm an analyst. <laughs> there's one moment where he, he's like bitching at Kevin Costner. He's like, you told me this was a desk job. Like that kind of. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of just a throwaway line. Just, I mean, the movie's not great. I think I gave it three stars. But it's fun. Chris Pine is just. He's a light. He's a good actor. Yeah. Yep. He makes, I think, almost everything he's in better. He's yeah. one of the best parts of Wonder Woman, too. Because him and uh, Gal Gadot. 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 Uh, also, watched a movie that I think we talked about in news not that long ago. Like, eight or nine podcasts yeah, ago. Yeah, we, we saw We watched the trailer for it right before uh, yeah. we hit play one day. Yeah, we went direct to VOD. Uh, so, yeah, I rented it and. Me and Brent watched it. Mandy, the Nicolas Cage movie. Mandy, yeah. What's the uh, director's name? Panos Cosmatos. Yeah. He's only done one other movie. It's about eight years old now. Uh, Under the Black Rainbow? Something yeah, about Black like Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. It looks just as crazy. But uh, it's essentially, like on the surface, I guess it's just a revenge tale. Uh, Nicolas Cage plays like a lumberjack in the early 80s. And he lives out in the middle of the woods with his girlfriend? Yes. Mandy. And um, she runs into like a bad cult, and Nicolas Cage has his revenge. Hmm. But deeper into that, it is one of the most bonkers movies I've ever seen. I'm money like, you and uh, uh, your Filmstruck review, maybe it was someone else that I, that I was following, said finally there's a movie that matches uh, Nicolas Cage's energy. I said something to that extent. Yeah. Nicolas Cage isn't merely turned up to 11 in this movie. The entire film is making it the rare Nicolas Cage movie that can match Nicolas Cage's performance in it. Yeah, that's, that's an intriguing review. Um, should be on the poster. <laughs> I mean, he, it, yeah, this is wild. And he is he is his, like, this, this has... He's turned up to 11. This definitely has scenes that will make it onto those, like, Nicolas Cage supercuts. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's... Uh, it's definitely going to have some scenes that wind up on those YouTube videos of just like Nicolas Cage going berserk. Well, if you, I mean, I don't know how the script was written, but if you shrug it down to just dialogue, uh, it's probably two and a half, three pages long. <laughs> I mean, almost no There's dialogue. not much. A lot of yelling and grunting. There's uh, one like soliloquy that one character gives. He just stands up and talks for a while. And then there's some dialogue in a, in a trailer at one point. And that's I think about they had it. a dialogue minimum they needed to hit. <laughs> and it's like, alright, soliloquy time. I mean, it is. It's like four different... All the dialogue is like four or five different scenes of just two people. And like, super close-up shots mm-hmm. of their face talking. It's... I mean, most of the... Most of it is 
very like think Jackie kind of score, mm. and just loud and like abrasive, like just yeah. I heard it's got like a kind of heavy metal bent to the soundtrack, or like drone metal. Like a yeah, like it's not like thrash metal. It's not like amped up metal or anything like that. But it definitely the whole thing feels sort of Metallic. like a, yeah, like that kind of metal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the slow melodic metal of like. I don't know who to compare it to. The whole movie, though, feels like a heavy metal... It like it was based off an Iron Maiden cover. Drug trip. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It was, uh... It's crazy. Nicolas Cage is just perfect for it, though. Like, I feel like this is part of his... The the reason... His goal with making movies is just, I'm gonna say yes to everything, and every once in a while, I'll make some gold. And this is just so... I mean, the first the first line of the film is... Uh, one of the worst knock-knock jokes you'd ever hear. And I think it's just there to set up the craziness of the whole thing. The dialogue's so bad, and the odes to old horror movies are so obvious that mm-hmm. it's got to be done on purpose, because it doesn't make sense if it's not. I mean, they live on Camp Crystal Lake. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I noticed uh, that. I noticed they lived on at Crystal Lake. Yeah, it totally has a um, <laughs> Bruce Willis pawn shop moment from Pulp Fiction. Where, like, it pans from weapon to weapon. Mm-hmm. Like, totally, like... I mean... With the same weapons, even. It's just, like... That's not even close to... <laughs> you know, obviously, you're doing this on purpose. Sure. But it just adds to the, uh... Absurdness of the film. Yeah, and, uh... Also, when you, when you watch it... You know... All I can say is you have to... You get to look forward to the Cheddar Goblin. Because the Cheddar Goblin is the... One of the weirdest silver medal for the movie, <laughs> Cheddar Goblin. Silver medal winner for the movie is Cheddar Goblin, who <laughs> probably already has a Twitter account. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, it's it's a, the most bizarre. It's a, it's a commercial on TV, and it's just you get to see the whole damn thing, like a little mini doc created just for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, and it's weirdly present in other scenes of the movie too. Like you have to like boxes of Cheddar Goblin pasta yeah it's the weirdest thing it is completely inexplicable except that it actually feels perfectly at home in this Nicolas Cage movie um but yeah so I've heard you guys say it's crazy did you actually enjoy it I thought it was great give it four stars oh wow yeah yeah I thought it was very very good and Chris in here also watched it and feels about the same way we do I think Mm -hmm. yeah I mean really, really cool stuff done with some of the camera work like there are scenes where you're like, oh, that is obviously filmed like a horror movie. Oh, that is obviously filmed like an action movie. There's one, like, death, where you get this, like, silhouette of him on, like, a red sky. And the blood splatter is, like, kind of slow. It looks just like anime. Mm-hmm. But it's live action. I the, mean, the guy is super talented. The cinematography know. is great. Yeah. The production design is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's all fantastic. Um, just the, the mood of the movie is really great, too. It's the, the tone of just the feel just feels like a dream. And it accomplishes that good thing. It, it It's a two hour and ten minute movie, I want to say. Yeah. And breezes by the... As soon as it starts to drag, shit like gets into, you know... That's true. Air. I do, actually, I do recall thinking like it could have been like 15 minutes shorter. But I then think. it just goes... Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you start right. thinking about that. Right. But uh, definitely recommend Mandy at some point. Yeah, it'll... It'll 100% be on Netflix probably within the next like couple of months. Yeah. Is that it for you? That's it. Alright, I'll go. I've been, uh, I picked up the Slack this week. I started using Slack. <laughs> um, I uh, watched a few movies. So, uh, related to recent homework, I've watched, uh, caught up on a few Shane Black mm. written or directed movies that I had not seen before. So, he wrote this uh, movie in 1987. He, Lethal Weapon came out in 1987, and that's the his big breakthrough, but uh, he also wrote this movie that I'd never actually heard of before, called The Monster Squad. Are you familiar with The Monster Squad? Does it have Howie Mandel in it? No. That's oh, like... Monster uh, team monsters. No. Is that real monsters? No, that's... No, that's the cartoon. There's a monster in my... Monster there's a monster under my bed, or something? Maybe. I'll look at it. I up. know what you're talking about. Uh... So this movie is about these kids... With, you don't want Fred Savage, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
there's a these kids who have sort of like their own little club. They're sort of like the Goonies of their area, sure. and uh, they sit in their clubhouse in the treehouse, and they uh, just like obsess over the old Universal monster movies, like Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Well, the plot of this movie is that uh, Dracula is real, and he revives all these old monsters to help him, I don't know, take over the world or something. And it all happens in their hometown, and so they have to fight off the creatures that they've loved little monsters. So they have to fight off these monsters that they've obsessed over for years. It's It's a kid's movie with... Pretty, like, snappy, witty dialogue. The acting is horrible. <laughs> the production cost was clearly pretty low. But, um... The, uh... I don't know. I feel like this is the kind of movie I would have loved if I had been aware of it when I was five. Oh, yeah. Or six. Like, I... I it would have been so much fun. Um, there is a... One of the kids, one of the boys, his little sister is, uh, she steals every scene she's in. Just, like, little five-year-old girl. Cool. Um, kind of winds up being the hero of the movie. But, I don't know, it was interesting. It's it's sort of a, yeah, it's it's definitely a cheesy 80s movie. Um, and the funny thing is they had to change the appearance of several of the monsters because they, this movie wasn't made by Universal, mm. and Universal still had those rights. Oh. Uh. To, like, those images of Frankenstein and... Wolfman. He's got like screws instead of bolts. Those like, like the little subtle like changes yeah. where it's still obvious who it is. It's a were dog. <laughs> Frankenstein is sort of a good guy in the movie. I wouldn't strongly recommend it, but apparently it's a cult classic that uh, <coughs> sometimes sells out theaters now for uh, screenings of hmm, it. It's fun. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of those like interactive watches. You know. Yeah. Some like shitty movies that have. Maybe we'll see it come around October time. Yeah, October time. The month of Halloween. Uh, 1991 movie called The Last Boy Scout. Have you ever seen it? Oh, uh, I would not. Yeah, I would, I've seen it, but I wouldn't check the box. Yeah, I'd never. We'd be in the same camp. Yeah. I'd never seen this movie before. Uh, it is. Com- I don't know. There are parts of it that are completely bonkers. Like the the movie starts with uh, a football player is told he has to run for 150 yards in a game or gamblers are going to kill him. <laughs> and first off, that's not how gambling works really. There's no they don't like they don't pre- <laughs> they don't pressure you to do good. <laughs> right. That doesn't work. Way easier just to make sure you don't. <laughs> right. If we wouldn't have said anything, you probably would have tried to do that anyway. <laughs> so, right. Like, literally everyone tries to do that every week. I don't know why they would exert that pressure on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to try to run for over 100 yards. The coach is like, what? That's not our game plan? You're going to try to get yards? Yeah. Is this some mafia-induced prop bet? <laughs> so fishy no. about this. Have the gamblers got a hold of you, son? Why are you trying to score touchdowns? Love that. Um, the football that. player is like, don't, you're going you're gonna to wreck Look at your car. It's like, I'm going to kill you if you don't drive safely everywhere you go. <laughs> like, Alright, cool. The football player is played by Billy Blanks, who would go on to create Tybo. Nice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as he's... It, the clock's winding down and he needs to run for 150 yards. I remember yards. the opening scene well. So he pulls out a pistol and shoots the free safety in the head and runs to the end zone and then kills himself. And then kills himself! So, why does it even matter? Why would you shoot the one guy? Right. (laughs) Just shoot yourself. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Except that he was, he did like a bunch of PCP at the end of the third quarter apparently. So I guess that's why uh, he thought that was the rational choice at that point. Is it a mafia thing or was it a a fan? That's what I don't remember. It's It's a... Well, it's, yeah, it's gamblers. Okay. Um, it's like a whole convoluted plot. I get the feeling that The Last Boy Scout could have been a good movie, like, in its script form. And then I was reading about it. It's one of those, like, very troubled productions when a uh, big-time producer steps in and he wants it this way. And then they get a big-name actor like Bruce Willis to be in the movie mm-hmm. and he wants it this way. 
and then the screenwriters want it a third way, and uh, it's lots of compromises, and as a result, uh, the director is Tony Scott, and it's just sort of an okay movie. It's an okay action movie, but it's uh, a little disappointing in parts. It's like the same year his brother directed Thumb on Louise. <laughs> uh, PCP running back. I think the, uh, the the gold medal of the movie goes to Damon Wayans, who oh, yeah. plays oh, a cool. disgraced uh, ex-football player who... Um, like I said, I think a common thread in a lot of these Shane Black neo-noir movies is uh, like lots of different plot pieces that are connected in ways that takes a long time to figure out how. Sure. Mm. And so, you know, the football scene at the beginning of the movie winds up being somehow connected to uh, Damon Wayans' girlfriend, who's played by Halle Berry, uh, gets uh, assassinated, basically, at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Um, not seen this by a hockey player <laughs> who has to hold the stick for the whole game, or they're gonna hold his family hostage. <laughs> he has to make it through the game without dying. They make sure he knows that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's all right. It's not it's not great, but I don't know if I'd recommend it unless you just love action movies so much yeah I'm sorry I feel like we're writing an SNL skit there <laughs> it's like they go to the bar and it's like you enjoy that beer I was gonna do we'll that hold anyway. you hostage and now you have to right. <laughs> don't pretend like I'm not mattering yeah what don't you watch it's the it's like the opposite of seven it's just, <laughs> hey, if you if you don't force feed yourself to the point of death you'll be fine you'll be fine <laughs> Each meal's got to be well balanced. <laughs> I watched The Longest Yard, the original. I don't think I've ever seen the original. I haven't either. I had not either, and it was uh, exactly like a rare movie that is 100% exactly as I expected it to be. Just how much of the plot is different from the new one? I haven't seen the new one. Okay. Um, but I kind of knew the gist of the story, and it was exactly how I thought it was going to be. And it was good. It was good. Not amazing, but good. The right. f- the football in it's actually pretty good. That's what I've heard about it. Well, you yeah, had football players in the movie too, right? Um, or is that just a new yeah, one? Yeah, they had a few. Uh, the new one had like several. Like uh, Romanowski was a linebacker in the new one. They, one of the guards was an old Green Bay Packers legend, uh, Ray um, Nitschke. Hmm. Okay, was uh, a guard in the movie. Um, but Burt Reynolds is good. Burt Reynolds is great. Is he a quarterback in that one? Yeah. Okay. And uh, is there an old, like an old timer on the good side of the team, like a an old inmate who plays? No, nah, who's just like oh, the yeah. wise? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it Jack Warden? No. Um. But yeah, that's a. Uh, I would recommend it if you've never seen it. It's a good. It's a. It's a very solid sports movie. Probably a, you know, a top ten football movie. Just because I don't feel like there are that many great football movies. But um, especially ones with great football in them. Yeah. And I heard this movie. You know, after Burt Reynolds passed away, people had a lot of like most iconic roles. I heard. I heard this one come up in a couple. As like a iconic. Burt Reynolds' performance. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, oh, Bernadette Peters. I didn't know she was in it. She's barely in it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, yeah, I gave it like three and a half stars on mm. Letterboxd. It's, a, it's a, a good little movie, but there's not a whole lot to talk about with it just because it's exactly what you think it is uh, in both good and, I guess... Mediocre ways. Mediocre ways, yeah. yeah. Uh, followed that up with... Three rewatches. Fun. Rewatch Goodfellas. It's been it had been a while. One of your favorites too, right? One of my favorite movies. And still um still a favorite. So <laughs> I think that movie gets next level good for me pretty much when uh De Niro finds out that Pesci got whacked. Yeah. That's when it 
gets turned up to like all time greats for me. Yeah, that that last bit, Ray Liotta is so good. Is that like frantic mm-hmm. at the end? I've seen it described the helicopter as helicopter scene. God, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, somebody described it as one of the best uh, of that that scene as one of the uh, best cinematic depictions of what it's like to just do drugs all the time. Oh. It's just like the paranoia mm-hmm. uh, and the like insane energy level of him driving high on coke in that scene with the helicopter over him. And don't they play, isn't uh, <clears throat> Jump Into the Fire that song playing? Maybe. I think that's the scene where they actually, they bounce songs. It's like, they goes from one song to another really quickly. Um, it's... No, I can't remember if it's the outro to Thunder Road or the outro to Layla that's playing in the iconic like Layla is okay. Layla is in not that scene, mm. but Layla is the in. Montage. Yes, it's yeah. it's it's Jimmy basically wiping all the people out right. from the heist because he almost he almost has Joe Pesci black, and he like cuts him off because he made him laugh right and that the yeah, yeah yeah, and then he's so upset when he gets hit later. Kind of see the right ridiculousness of the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think my favorite scene in the movie. I, I think that scene, the 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 Layla outro, is one that a lot of people would claim is their the best scene. And I think a lot of people would say Pesci's uh, joke. What do you mean funny? Yeah, scene is, and they are great. And then there's the, but I think my two favorite scenes are the the tracking shot through the Copacabana. Yeah, uh, where he's taking he's taking Karen on the date, yeah. and it's just uh, it's an incredible scene. Yeah, but I think my favorite scene in the movie is the the Billy Bats scene in the bar, hmm. um, because it's got the song Atlantis by Donovan yeah. playing, and that's the scene where you really realize that like uh, Tommy and Jimmy, which are Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro really are a different breed from Henry mm-hmm. Ray Liotta. Yeah. Like, that's the first time you see, like, Henry... Because the whole movie to that point has been about Henry being like, I love this life. I love this life. Yeah. And that's the scene where he's just like, holy shit, these guys are monsters. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. It's just like the the element of danger, the hair trigger. It's like, it's so suspenseful before you even get to the violence of like something really bad happening, mm-hmm. and 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 that's he views them differently for the rest of the movie. Like he he is sort of like looking over his shoulder a little bit for the rest of the movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And plus, after Billy Bats, don't you have the uh, the pasta scene where they go to his mom's yeah. house? Yeah. Yeah. Um, played by Martin Scorsese's mom. Mm-hmm. Play, I didn't know that. Plays uh, Tommy's mom. That's she's fun. she's really fantastic in her little bit role. But yeah. um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much, just because I, I may just uh, at some point just record a little one-off just on Goodfellas, where I auto induct it. Is it going to be one of your five? Yeah, it's 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 one of my five, and so uh, anyway. Plus, if you're unaware of how good Goodfellas is, come on. Yeah. Uh, the next movie I rewatched I had not seen since I saw it in theaters in 2009, and that was the movie Up. Up. And so sad and so good. That movie is still just as completely devastating in the first 20 minutes as I remembered it being. It made me, uh, at the end of the movie, I went to bed early, earlier than I normally do. I just wanted to go lay down next to my wife after that movie was over. <laughs> yeah. And uh, made me just... Just, I, I don't know, gave me all the feels. I'm curious about this. Everyone remembers the intro scene, it's devastating, but there's a lot of wacky, really zany hijinks in the movie that <laughs> a lot of people forget. Especially yeah. like the um, the conclusion of the conflict with the uh, you know, the main bad guy. The bad guy's kind of a throwaway. To yeah. me. He's not that interesting. But uh, what makes the middle of the movie work for me so well is... Uh, the comedy of uh, the kid, I forget the kid's name, Russell? Kevin? Oh, no, Russell. Kev- Kevin's the bird. Kevin is the bird. And uh, Doug. Doug. Doug, is, Doug is hilarious. Hilarious. Especially if you own a dog, it's, they did a perfect job <laughs> yeah. vocalizing. The introduction yeah. of Doug, too, and he just runs up to him and he says, you know, 
I have just met you, and I love you. <laughs> and it's, it was like, oh, it's so perfect. Yeah, yeah I, in my memory, Doug was just sort of a, a one-joke character, which is kind of true, but I thought that he was sort of like, it kind of got old after a while. Doesn't get old, though. Doug mm-hmm. doesn't get old. Doug's great. I was, I was, I thought the animation and the jokes with Kevin, too, were hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, last time I watched it, I was giggling at him just... His, like, like, it's just so f- well animated. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, also, really think uh, Carl goes on a. Uh, I think he, he has good character development throughout the movie. Like, he. I think his his relationship with Russell. Is it Russell? Yeah, it's Russell. Yeah, is. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite, like, personal character developments because he has all this. I don't know this baggage at this at this stage of his life where it's just like hopeless that he would ever change, like he, he would ever like let go of that that sadness. So do y'all think that's why we get that intro? Do you think it's important to the movie to know that he was a great man for most of his life, and that he just had some shit happen to him? Yeah, yeah. You think? And, would you think it not? Would it? Would the payoff not be as good if you didn't know that? Is what I'm saying. Like if the character developed. Yeah, it sets up the the end of the movie when he gives Russell the the little Ellie pin, right? Um, which I still lose it at when he does that at the end, because um, I just know how because you know how much that means to him to give it to him, right? Even if Russell doesn't understand. Also, it's like uh, not that Pixar shortcuts, but it's instant shortcut to sympathize with a crotchety character, right? Right, and have another layer of depth throughout the whole movie is sure. knowing that intro. It explains his reluctance to give up on the house thing in the mm-hmm. at Paradise Falls too, like the house is is Ellie to him, mm-hmm. right? And so it's really it gives his character you understand the character's motivation a hundred percent, right? I think that's that's helpful. I do love the the relationship between Russell and Carl is really just mm-hmm. fantastically done. The scene that always pops out in my head when anybody just says up is the is her not making it up the hill mm-hmm. in the intro. That's the most memorable scene for me. It's just fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it too much. But uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the scene with him as kids is so great, though. Mm-hmm. Little Carl is so damn cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at that point, I decided, well, I can't take all these happy movies, these, like, you know, family-friendly movies... Like Goodfellas? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we moved on to the second realm. <laughs> yeah. So I followed up up with Psycho. A rewatch of Psycho. I had seen once before. The original? Yeah. The, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting through the Gus Van Zandt remake. Um, the uh, I'd seen the original once. I wasn't a big fan the first time I saw it. I was more of a fan this time around. thought it was... I think I was able to enjoy the movie more um, for its entertainment value this time around. Still, I don't. I still don't see it as one of Hitchcock's like absolute best movies the way a lot of people do. Oh, neither. You, yeah. you uh, had the same thought as me. I know we talked a little bit about uh, I think the movie's five-star film pretty much up until Janet Lee dies. I think so, too. And then I think it kind of gets off the rails. It's just, it gets kind of boring. I think it drags a little bit because it's like one person has to go out to the hotel to talk to the motel to talk to him about her, and then another person does, and then that person comes back, and then they go back out again. Right. And it's just sort of a lot of traveling back and forth from the from the Bates Motel. Right. And um, it drags a little bit in the second half, and it also just has this one scene that I, I hate. I know it was more necessary in 1960, but. There's the scene at the end where a psychiatrist or a psychologist comes on to just explain everything that happened in the movie mm. to you. Yeah. Because he's like, so, you now have seen that Norman Bates is quite weird. <laughs> Let me tell you everything about him. And it's just this, uh, I feel like it's unnecessary. And it, it's a it's a very long scene where of just exposition. Of just like, so here's everything that you just saw. He suffers from this, and it's, I don't know, it was just very... Yeah, like you said, uh, maybe it 
interesting that it may have been necessary back in the day. Right. People not as familiar with, you know, psychopathy and sociopathy. And just movies that do weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, it's also the first movie where, like, a toilet flushes on screen. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> they clearly weren't ready for what happened after the toilet flushed. <laughs> it would be funny if, like, a plumber came in, though, and that scene was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> so the, the water goes underground. There's a series of tubes. <laughs> I'm not understanding. Tell me in English, Dr. Plummer. Um, Dr. Plummer. Dr. Plummer. It's essentially like Dr. Mario, I guess. Yeah. Popping pills. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. Popping pills. Popping the pills. But uh, I think what's... Uh, it's a weird thing to, to pick out, to isolate to, but uh, th- I think the part of the score that doesn't get played on, uh, I don't know, montages and whatnot, so not the slasher part yeah. of the score, the rest of the score is amazing. Who is it? Bernard Ehrman. Ehrman, yeah. Who might, it's like, might be one of the only people that you, might be better than John Williams. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> at scoring movies. It's just, it's, it's an incredible score. Uh, speaking of, not to sidetrack you too much, but did y'all know that the Star Wars soundtrack was nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys? <laughs> no. It's incredible. I love that. That's great. Fucking John Williams, man. <laughs> too good. Too good at his job. Uh, after Psycho, I watched a 2017 movie called Mother! 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know TJ had already seen this movie, talked about it a year ago when he saw it at the theater, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Great. It's the, uh, I don't know, there's really a lot to unpack with that movie. There's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of symbolism that you can read into it there's you can you can opt to go other directions with it and you can like you can like extract it and play with it the symbolism like i took it to be very biblical the movie in its symbolism and uh i've already talked with people who did not take it that way some people say it's an environmental movie i i took that as part of the biblical aspect of it which is Def, I, I definitely thought it was an environmental message. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you can argue that it is not biblical. But my 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 stance on it is, I know that director well enough to know that this is too obvious to be it. There's something else that he wants me to see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's also. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I, I was very interested in the uh, reaction going to it. Male, like toxic male ego, creative process, and also a little like autobiographical um, self analysis in that movie, too. Yeah, I definitely get the male ego feminist, like not being thankful for what women do mm-hmm. aspect of the film. I read one review that said, I would really like to know what Rachel Weiss thinks of this movie because that's his like ex, right? Darren Osmosky. Oh, yeah. yeah. Since it has state, since you said it might be autobiographical about his creative process, mm-hmm. man, there's a scene of telling Brent in the very beginning of the film, I think the first scene, I think, but Jennifer Lawrence is in like this kind of translucent nighty, and you can't see anything when she's walking around the house, but she finally walks out of the patio and like she, you see her from the rear, and like she's looking at like a sun in a lit field, and it's real pretty, but you get this like silhouette of her body. And I was like, Aronofsky's just showing off. It's <laughs> like, look what I got. <laughs> I got this now. Look at my new girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, he's like almost 50. Yeah. So I'm sure he is very quite proud of that. I listened to him talking to one of those Hollywood Reporter roundtables that I'm so fond of. Not as weird as I thought he would be. Like, Quentin Tarantino was at the table and it was clear who was the weirder of the two. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's real smart. That was a writer roundtable, too. Hmm. Yeah, Mother is on Amazon Prime right now, and I don't... What's that movie? Mother? Mother! Mother! Oh, yeah. Mother! I don't know how to pronounce lowercase movie titles. Mother! Mother! (laughs) But it's still an exclamation point. Mother! (laughs) See? It's hard. Well, (laughs) I don't know if you know this. You don't pronounce differently based on capitalization. 
Yeah, that was the joke. I know. <laughs> but why, why are you making fun of my jokes? I don't understand. <laughs> it's for the people. It's for the listeners. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> so let me tell you about lowercase. <laughs> yeah, welcome for the imaginary grammar podcast. Argue non-existent rules. So, uh... It's definitely not for everybody, but I recommend it just because it's a not it's not like any other movie you're gonna watch anytime soon. It is fucking weird. I will probably never see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do it like ten years. Yeah. I was gonna say you should give it a little time. Wait till someone's a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the way that sounded just like there aren't any teenagers right now. <laughs> <laughs> we are living in the children of men time. If you know of any teenagers, please uh, let us know. <laughs> that is getting edited out. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Teen Finder. <laughs> Jesus, we want to watch, watch mother movies with you. <laughs> God. The lines are getting worse. Can we watch Mother? <laughs> oh, man. So, that's it. That's my long watch list. Cool. It's fun. Yeah. And, uh, nothing, nothing too interesting on TV. Reality Roundup? Reality Roundup. Reality Roundup. <laughs> that's our intro song. Is back. Way, 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 way. <laughs> so here we have here on the podcast we have the David tribe, yep, and we have the Goliath tribe. The David tribe, so perfectly encapsulated by the descriptions of David. Yeah. Goliath tribe, such a Goliath tribe. <laughs> that really was a, leaning into those teams. That was yeah. a great. That uh, was Al who pointed that out. When it was just, uh, it, you know, we worked hard for stuff too. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. <laughs> great joke. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious for the guy's like almost dying of a broken back. Like as far as they know, he's going to be paralyzed, and he's yeah. like, "Of course, this would happen to the David tribe." And I'm like, "God damn, man!" He's he like, he's like inches from his face. He's like, "What? What?" <laughs> yeah. Probes bringing it back to the theme. <laughs> Always the theme. Um. But yeah, it's. Uh, I wonder if Probes thinks like that is like that. People really love that shit. I wonder if he does I that. Like, Probst. Huh? I love Probst. How much he? Oh no, the showness of it. Yeah, I just wonder if he's like got to have a theme. Theme carries the show. It's like, nah, man, we don't really care. <laughs> Do whatever. Just two teams, right? Really could be team A and team B, <laughs> or no teams. I don't care. This group of people, that group of people. Don't even call them a group. <laughs> this and that. Smattering A against smattering B. <laughs> um, what did you think of the first episode? This is good as far as first episodes go. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fine. And it didn't really connect to a whole bunch of people yet, right, but give right. it time. That's typically my experience. I, I feel like we got more of the Davids this week because like, I feel like I know everybody on the David team. I know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I could probably only name two Goliaths, two or three Goliaths. The wrestler and that's Mike, much Mike, it. Mike White. Mike White. Yeah, Mike White. Who is a Goliath, though. He's like, a Goliath, okay. yeah. Yeah, didn't and, see that coming. And the wrestler, and then there's CBS the... CBS terms, because of Amazing Race. Right. And then there's the obvious early boot of the uh, older business lady. Who yeah, I was stands gonna, around. I was going to have us all make uh, predictions for who we think will win after one episode and who we think will lose for one episode. But I think who we think will lose, me and Chris, I, Chris agreed with me, I think Brett did too. It's the older black lady who just immediately pissed everybody off. Yeah. Yeah. And In fact, she's such a you. You hardly get uh, castaways like her anymore, just because it's such an obvious losing right. <laughs> strategy. Like, I wonder if there's just. I wonder if she knows something we don't. Yeah. Know. Even last year with like Dom starting to like set up camp, you're like, oh, even was, that's too much. He was about to can't tell lose. people to yeah. what to do at all. But he was actually helpful though. That's yeah. the difference. Is that like. He would do things. And he was aggressive. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how aggressive she'll be because I don't think she has any friends. That's the thing. Dom hooked up with Wendell so early. I didn't see Although, that part. <laughs> in her, uh, 
Survivor After Dark. Um, <laughs> she, uh... Hearing her talk about herself, it's like... I think it's I think it's wonderfully, uh, I, I don't know, fitting that uh, a uh, an older black lady is basically the closest the show's ever gotten to a stand-in for Donald Trump as one of its <laughs> members. Hearing her talk about herself in the business world, she's yeah. like every. She, I think her quote was "Everything I touch turns to gold," and I was like, "Where have I heard that?" <laughs> oh yeah, so. Yeah. yeah she, ain't, she ain't got a chance. I don't, I don't think, think she's going to win. My winner predict after one episode is Cowgirl. The tall, hmm. tall cowgirl. This is also the season for uh, people we don't know who have famous names. <laughs> Her name is Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, right. Yeah. And I forget who the other person... There's somebody else who... I did a double take when I heard their name. But uh, I'll look it up real quick. But you go ahead. Tell me why you like Elizabeth. Uh, I don't know. It's just hard to pick after one episode. I can get a good handle on anybody. I like she G- looked not offensive. I like Gabby from the David Drop. She's uh, um, sort of the the she the glasses. Yeah, I don't want to boil her down to nerdy looking. Algor- algorithm guy was really funny. Yeah, when they edited him talking over himself, <laughs> like the show couldn't get away from him because <laughs> he was. Wouldn't shut the fuck up. It's on CBS. It's like <laughs> nerd shit, right? <laughs> yeah, explaining a thing cogently. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. He was like, immediately I started thinking like, oh, I could have done it in two less moves. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, you do the puzzle in like three seconds. Yeah, that was that was pretty impressive though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how he does on other things. Because that kind of slide puzzle, get a piece out, I always thought was kind of super easy anyway. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how good he'll be at... I mean, he picked the right one. As long as you made them do the 15-piece cube puzzle, those mm-hmm. things are ridiculously hard. Yeah. So, you won as soon as you didn't do that. Although, yeah. I thought they were going to fall in the damn ocean. I was like, why are they doing the beam that way? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it this way. Jim <laughs> <laughs> Ropes is like an interesting approach. <laughs> like, why aren't you standing on it? It's like, I could rock, walk across the hallway... Or I could, like, prop both <laughs> legs up the wall and, like, spider my way down. <laughs> I didn't think about walking. <laughs> God, they looked like they were going to eat it, though. It took, like, that would take so much more energy. <laughs> than just, like, balancing on it? Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's the older lady. Her name's Natalie Cole. Oh, oh nice. But yeah. I was really hoping it was going to be like, oh, the other person with a famous name, but they're, we don't know who they are, is the uh, old black guys, Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> like, super <laughs> random names. <laughs> it's Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, but it's not that Pope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's too early to kind of They're going to vote out Hans Christian Anderson <laughs> this year. <laughs> Butchers, butchers, Kelly. Nice. Yeah, it looks like it'll be a fun season, though. Most of them are, but they've yeah. got some work to do. They've had uh, last season was was great. Yeah, the last few seasons have all been really, really, really good. Great personalities. I don't really see those personalities yet, but it's one week. Yeah, it's hard to hard to see it one week. Yeah, and I think that's what that's a strength of the show in recent years is they've been focusing more on the casting and. The, the types of players they bring on. And then Probst is aware that that's the key, and he, I think I've even heard him say, he was like, he goes, I know most people couldn't care less about the themes. He's like, it's mostly just some plot line for me to have. Gotta have some catalyst, yeah, during the season. Just something for me sure. to motivate them with. Sure. Yeah, it's the canvas to paint the personalities on, you know? Yeah. Alright, All right, well, that's it for Survivor Roundup, reality-wise. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot the words. Uh, breezy on the streets. Breezy on the streets. Breezy. Have some uh, hits from uh, maybe a, a week or two old, but uh, we can talk about them if we like. Or not. <laughs> Pass. Um, Just kidding. <laughs> what do you got? I had the, a surprise winner from TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. 
This is a film festival where uh, Alfonso Cuarón's Roma was in there. You had Damien Chazelle's First Man, um, Barry Jenkins' If Beale Street Could Talk, a lot of the heavy hitters. And the Audience Award, which I think eight of the last ten years has been the Best Picture winner. Um, but it's almost always nominated. Hmm. Um, it went to Peter Farrelly's movie Green Book about uh, a jazz pianist traveling through Jim Crow era South. Wow. <laughs> Peter Farrelly. I mean, yeah, I think we talked a little bit about Green Book. and uh, we, we talked about it off air. Uh, off air. Yeah. Um, it sounds really interesting. It's just that the only turnoff for that movie is directed by Peter Farrelly. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's it's a it's a crowd pleaser though. Uh, it's kind of like I think I heard it described as like a reverse driving Miss Daisy. Where yeah. It's like oh you're at the very end you're not so different you and I that kind of thing. It's like love, a love the actors though. Yeah. Huge fan of both of them. Vigo and Mahershala. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that scene where Vigo can't stop farting. <laughs> <laughs> Mahershala is like, we gotta go. Just a minute! <laughs> yeah. In the bathroom. Pooping on everything. And it's got like all the... the, the they're using the entire fart soundboard. Uh, <laughs> all the different farts. Let's Note, see. this won't be in the actual movie. I'm not speaking from knowledge. This is simply my commentary on Peter Farrelly directing anything. Linda Cardellini plays Vigo's wife, so that's fun. Always a fan of hers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um... It's been coming up every week now. I wonder how many reviews it has. Only 19. All right, tomatoes. But yeah, it's just a surprise it's winner. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's fun when that happens. Yeah. All the rest of the movies that were supposed to be good ended up being good. Yeah. In second place was If Beale Street Could Talk. In third place, I may have this wrong, but also uh, um, I think First Man was in the top three. Nice. But uh, Star is Born was there too. It was good, but didn't place. Another crowd pleaser. A lot of people are saying it might win. It's got the emotion to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I'm, I was. I maybe had the ability to be horrible. I felt like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Looks like it's not going to be horrible. Cool. Um, in other news, we had last week uh, news of uh, in a couple weeks ago we talked about the James Bond franchise jettisoning uh, jettisoning Danny Boyle yeah. as an interesting director, and they popped in a new interesting director. Yep. Uh, Carrie Fukunaga yeah. of uh, Beast of No Nation, True Detective fame. I talking to our, our buddy, a uh, friend of the podcast, Chad, who has, I've watched the first episode of Maniac, mm-hmm. and um, but Chad says it's the best thing Netflix has done by far. TV Is that him was. also? Is that Carrie Fukunaga? Yeah. yeah. He directed all the episodes of it. Mm, yeah. I've been meaning to get into it when I have like... Uh, I feel like I really episode. need to digest it. It's it's out there, kind of in like a Pitchhiker's God kind of way. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know, but I'm excited. I'm I'm pretty much on board with anything he's doing. Yeah, and it is uh, interesting. It's an interesting director. It's an American director. I don't think they have a whole ton of those in the Bond slate. He was the original director for it, right? Yeah. He was attached to a bunch of projects that he ended up leaving, which is why it's been eight years since his last. Not eight years. Um, but it's been some time since his last it's movie. It's Beast, I guess. 2015? Yeah. 15? Yeah. I never saw that. I want to. It's never I saw it. To it. It's, a, it's a tough watch, but yeah. it's, it's very good. What's that? Beast of No Nation. Idris Elba is the... Um, like Warlord? Yeah, war, African uh, Warlord. I never saw it's that. the Army mm-hmm. of Children. It was, it was... There was talk of him getting nominated, I think. Actor. Yeah. He won the SAG for Best Supporting Actor and yeah. never got nominated. Weird. Early uh, Netflix movie, I think, pushed yeah. back to that. Yeah, when I, for some reason, the last few times I've heard that uh, name of that movie, I keep, I always think it's the movie with the little girl in, like, rural Mississippi, maybe. Um, Beast of the Southern Wild. Okay, so there is a common word. That that explains yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. yeah, she's in the <laughs> rural. Yeah. 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 Hush Puppy. Hush Puppy. I love that. That's a good yeah. movie. I want that guy to direct something else. He had just like shit. disappeared after that. He nominated, didn't he? Yeah. Best director. Ben Zeitlin. Where are you, Ben Zeitlin? Ben Zeitlinfinder.com. He's been waiting for some for us to talk about him. He's like, okay, I'm back. Um, and only the news, we can talk about things you guys want to talk about. There's a games news. Uh, I'd be interested in what Chris thinks, but uh, 
kind of high-profile studio that has a bunch of successful games with chapters. Telltale Games mm-hmm. is uh, shutting down. Yeah, apparently there's a lot of backlash because they were in the process of doing their third Walking Dead game. Yep. And, uh, but they think they're going to be able to finish it, apparently. They think yeah. they had enough done where they could finish making it as, yeah. as their send-out game. Why are they shutting down? Uh, it's, it's boring stuff. There was a round of investment that didn't come through. And they have, like, really expensive IP... And they have a strategy of releasing things in episodes and chapters where I think a lot of people wait to be able to play them back-to-back. So they launch something, and it takes a lot of money to launch something. I don't think they're getting a huge return. So they're yeah. counting on a round of investment to keep going, and it didn't come through. That's what I heard. Yeah, <laughs> and it costs a lot of money, I'm sure, to be able to make Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and they were... Did they do the Batman game, or were they... They, was that they did the, the Batman game. They did a... They did a Harry Potter, too. A whole bunch. They that them? I know there, there's one out there that's the same kind of deal. Yeah, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy they did. It's like, think of any property. They've, they've kind of done it. They were just uh, starting and going through a Stranger Things um, kind of choose-your-own-adventure oh, style right. game. Which, a lot of titles were canceled, but uh, Netflix is going... They're looking at another studio now. I think there's a couple studios they're thinking of. Um, Devolver is the studio Chris knows. And also Don't Nod that did Life is Strange. They're mm-hmm. kind of in a similar story game space. Would Might be a good spot for it. But hmm. Netflix is going to continue to try to pursue that game. But other than uh, yeah, the, the, the current season of Walking Dead, I think all other titles are kind of getting scuttled. So, very influential when that Walking Dead came out. And man, the Game of Thrones one is really good. I haven't played it, but I played, played through it. a fair bit of it. Yep. And uh, you know, Chris reads uh, fables, uh, but there's the Wolf Among Us. It's like fairy tale characters. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be really good. I, I got like the first chapter of that one. Nice. Um, makes me want to go back and kind of finish a bunch of th- things I got for free on like PS Plus from the studio. Tales from the Borderlands is also supposed to be good. I thought the the first Walking Dead game was very good. Yeah, uh, it's the only one that I've played. But, um, it's the only one I've finished so far. Yeah. So. The relationship between the, the main guy and the, the little girl. Yep. Really good. The Clementine? Main guy. Clementine's a girl. Yeah. For sure. But it's good. Fun. Well, Any other news? Not fun. I mean, the studio's closing, but <laughs> fun to think about, I guess. The, uh, I just never played the game, so I was referencing to him saying the games was good. Yep. I didn't know they were ever thought of as actually good. I thought they were just kind of like. Time killers, you know what I mean? Yep. In a 30-second news thing, there was something that came out, is there's a, you know, Fallout 76 is going to come out. Um, there's just, like, a little leaked thing that one of the maps is called Appalachia. We're not sure where it's going to take place yet, but there may be a clue there. Maybe uh, going to the south. Well, I figured, because the, the, the big launch trailer, the, the song was... Uh, Take Me Home Country Roads. Right. Which talks about West Virginia a lot. So I, that was a good trailer. I, I thought maybe it was going to be in West Virginia, but I wasn't sure. Sure. That's all the news I got. Well, apparently there's a new trailer out for Holmes and Watson, the uh, Will Ferrell and John Riley. <laughs> Did y'all uh, see the movie? segue from that, the um, Abbott Costello trailer? What's the movie called? It's not it's called their first names. It's uh, Lou and... Peter? <laughs> Who? I can't remember. What are, what are Abigail Sell's first names? Oh, uh. Wait, it's Bud it's, and it's Luke. Laurel and Hardy, isn't it? Oh, it is Laurel and Hardy. Stan and. Stan and. Uh, Ollie. Ollie. Yeah. Yeah. But John C. Riley is, like, unrecognizable. Yeah, he's got the. Trailer. You know, basically the Winston Churchill face. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Who's the other. Uh, is it Coogan? Yeah, Coogan. Also, the trailer dropped this week. I haven't seen it yet for Dark Phoenix, the new X-Men movie. I heard some good things. I didn't watch it either. Well, yeah. a day after the trailer debuted, they pushed the movie back. So, Yeah, that franchise right now is in kind of like David Jail for me. It's like, I need them to show that they can do something pretty well first. Pretty good. I really liked uh, Days of Future Past. But other than that, they've kind of been... Yeah. The, I, yeah. I kind of figure that to me is like a different... 
kind of season of the Mar- of X-Men movies. Yeah. Like, the Apocalypse movie was the first one with, like, the whole new young cast, like, right. the young Phoenix, the young Cyclops, all those. Um, I don't know. I'll probably end up seeing it on Netflix right. or something. Yeah. It's all in the superhero movies. It's like, yeah. I'm not gonna not watch it <laughs> when it's free. Yep. Um, there's, uh, Orson Welles' movie just hit Netflix. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting story. Orson Welles, they found his unfinished film. Oh, yeah, film, yeah, yeah. And uh, Netflix, I guess, edited it together. Yeah, he's a director and, uh, who kind of, like, uh, finished his movie. Yeah. And it went through can and stuff. <laughs> also, apparently, I didn't even know this was being made, but uh, there's a movie, Rocket Man. It's the it's a biopic about Elton John. <laughs> um, starring Taron Edgerton. Oh, I think I remember hearing news about that. That's weird. There he is. Oh, nice. Oh, looks very Elton Johnny. Yeah. So. Also, Burt Reynolds was going to be in the Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, and he's been, they found a replacement. It's Bruce Dern that's going to be taking over. Okay. Whatever he was going to be doing. He's got experience with Tarantino, yeah. so that's good. Yeah. These are just, like, little little headlines. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I'm excited for that weird-ass project to come together. Yeah. A lot yeah. of star power in that. Yeah. Well, hey, what's coming out this weekend? What is coming out this weekend? Well, last week, uh, TJ, Chris, and I actually had a three-way split. We all picked different movies, and two of them wound up getting bad reviews. TJ wound up picking the only one that got good reviews, Smallfoot, with its <laughs> dumb name. That movie looked adorable. Um, so, I guess TJ won. <laughs> Last week. I got it pulled up here. I'll beat you to it. Um, we have the aforementioned, coming out Friday, A Star is Born. Oh, cool. I think in wide release. That and uh, the Tom Hardy inexplicable accent movie, Venom. Where he's uh, Eddie Brock, <sighs> Venom thing. Both those movies, I mean, I, I guess now that we've gotten some TIFF news from A Star is Born, I'm not as worried, but both those movies I thought had the ability to be like over 90 and under like 30 on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I have not seen much on Venom. Uh, I had no idea that movie was coming out this soon. Uh, well, I, I, the only big news I remember from it is when it was at when it debuted at like Comic Con when the trailer came on, and the director and Tom Hardy were on stage, and they're like, "We're gonna we're gonna do a good job for the Venom fans," and everybody like went nuts. That was like the last I heard about it, and I feel like that was like last year's Comic Con. Is it rated R? I think it's PG thirteen. Um, oh, PG thirteen. Just curious. I, I'd I'm heard look, there was. At, I'd heard there was going to be some talk about it being possibly R rated. I don't know. It's it's just a. I, I'm always a little nervous when a superhero movie, a comic book movie, comes out, and I've heard next to nothing about it. PG-13. It's PG thirteen. Yeah, it's Ruben Fleischer who did Zombieland, but also Gangster Squad and <laughs> not, a, not a bunch of hits. Yeah, I don't know. I'll wait on word of mouth of that. I would rec- my pick is going to be a Star Is Born. Me too. Me too. The songs. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's whatever I'm watching, but I've seen a bunch of trailers for those, and uh, the songs are pretty catchy. Which I think you need to have decent songs for that kind of movie. Yeah. Bradley Cooper looks like he's trying to channel that uh, uh, Bad Blake vibe from uh, yeah. that the, uh, Jeff Bridges had. Mumbly and beardy. Yeah, mumbly and beardy and sort of sorrowful in his lyrics. Yeah. But, uh... Interesting cast, though. They said Lady Gaga's really, really good in it. And Sam Elliott say he's great and well a nomination for him so bad and Dave Chappelle is in the trailer and yeah. he, he looks like he's, he's decent uh, he may just be in there for a scene or something I'm really excited to see if uh, Lady Gaga is actually really good or if this is like uh, you know when she got nominated for American Horror Story when most people uh, thought that she was possibly the worst part of the season of American Horror Story yes yeah, so I'd heard that and then when Cass watched it I'll just assume that Cass would agree with like well, I, I never read about it, so I was just going off what people said. But Castle Chew is great. <laughs> it? I don't know. Yeah. I do. 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 
All right, well, you have it. It's a it's a clean sweep. Go see A Star Is Born at the Cinemaplex this weekend. <laughs> Sounded like a character from like Flying Circus, <laughs> like Faulty Towers. At the Cineplex, I'm doing, feeling quite better. Alright, that was Talking Talk podcast for the Media Bias dot com. That's the website where you can see our stuff. You can also interact with us on the Facebook groups: Movies by Us, TV by Us, and Games by Us. Send us an email with some suggestions or I don't know anything at. Uh, TheMediaByUs at gmail.com You can tweet tweet with us at TheMediaByUs Please subscribe and rate our podcast That's the most important thing we say at this point in the podcast Um, It it really helps our visibility And last but not least Thank you to the Willow Walkers Who put on a great show the other day In in the suburb of Tucker And uh, thanks to Boo Reefa and thanks to TJ, David, and thanks to myself. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things. 